the agency that is supposed to protect you is actually abandoning you. Which one? Take your pick. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I won't abandon. I got the feeling that something ain't right. If I can help. I'm it. so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From in the Pacifica middle Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. In Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on 102.3 WHIV. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets as long as we still have them. And we can afford to be here on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, Radio Sputnik, and other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and internet. I'm Brad Friedman, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com, and I hope you agree. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Yeah, as long as we can still afford to continue streaming on the internets, things are changing quickly around here under this Trump administration. Uh, But first, before we get to all of that, um, just another quick public service announcement. Last chance here. Former Vice President Joe Biden tweets, help your friends and loved ones get the peace of mind of health insurance for 2018. Remind them that this Friday is the deadline to sign up for health insurance through healthcare.gov. That, thanks to Donald Trump, cutting in half the um, open enrollment period for the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare. So this Friday, midnight this Friday, your last chance to sign up for 2018 in most states, at least those who use the federalhealthcare.gov. Let's see, other public service announcements. Desi Doyen will be here with a Green News Report. Yes. Which I consider to be a public service. (laughs) Indeed. I just want to say that. Uh, so we've got uh, actually lots of news in that report and some embarrassing news concerning the U.S. and Donald Trump. That's straight ahead. Uh, well, not straight ahead. That's a little bit later. In the meantime, um, Disney, you've heard of them. They are buying a large part of the Murdoch family's 21st Century Fox. You've heard of them as well. For about fifty two and a half billion dollars that would include film and television studios and cable and international TV businesses. 
Before the buyout, 21st Century Fox will separate the Fox Broadcasting Network and stations like Fox News Channel and Fox Business Network and others into a newly listed company that will be spun off to its shareholders that uh, Rupert Murdoch and his sons were willing to sell off much of the business that has been built up over decades came as a shock to the entertainment industry, said Associated Press. Well, didn't come as a shock to me. The fact that they would want you know, some $52 billion that they're going to get here is not all that shocking to me, frankly. As uh, consumers spend more time online, AP notes, TV's share of U.S. ad spending is now shrinking. Advertisers are following consumer attention to the Internet, where Google and Facebook win the vast majority of advertising dollars. They are doing great as well, along with all of these other huge companies who are making record profits right now and creating these record mergers across the media landscape and pretty much everywhere else. Uh, amongst the corporate world of late. So what they really need, what these huge record profit profiting uh, companies really need, apparently, is huge tax cuts right now, right? Well, because, you know, they have 52 billion sitting around to yeah, be able to buy. sitting around. So, hey, let's give them a tax cut. A uh, huge, a record tax cut, even as government spending on things like health care for Americans gets slashed in the bargain. Uh, they also apparently need more monopolistic ownership of all of these companies, including these online services, which the Republican-led FCC is desperate to gift to those companies for Christmas. Senator Bernie Sanders tweeted today, if you really think that Verizon, Comcast, AT&T and Time Warner need more money, then you should be for repealing net neutrality. Well, as it turns out, the three to two Republican majority on the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, is in favor, are those three, that three to two majority is in favor of repealing net neutrality. And in an historic vote today, they did exactly that. We'll discuss what that means for you, for your Internet bill and the services that you now receive. And most importantly, for freedom of speech in the United States. We'll discuss that shortly with my guest. A few quick news items before we get there. Um, Republican Texas Congressman Blake Farenthold, who used $84,000 of uh, taxpayer money to settle a sexual harassment suit against one of his staffers, and who several staffers have come out to accuse of creating an incredibly hostile and abusive workplace, including fits of rage from the Texas congressman, uh, incredibly inappropriate sexual and abusive comments to staffers. Well, Farenthold announced today that he will not seek re-election in 2018 in light of all of that. But apparently he'll just go ahead and serve out the rest of his term until then. That unlike Democratic Senator Al Franken, who was accused of and admitted to far less, frankly, he has announced his resignation, as you know, uh, to come in, in in the next few weeks, in theory, though I hope he will con he will reconsider that, that he will consider unannouncing and unresigning, at least until after the Senate Ethics Committee investigation that he was seeking, that he was among the first to request until that actually happens. 
Don't know if he will unresign or not. In, in the meantime, Minnesota's Democratic Governor Mark Dayton has announced that Democratic Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith will be appointed to Franken's seat when he leaves, whenever that is. But I do hope that our listeners on uh, on AM 950 in Minneapolis-St. Paul are raising holy hell about all of this and demanding an ethics commission investigation before Franken steps down. But maybe that's just me. And Desi, I think yeah. you had a oh, similar absolutely. Uh, th- yeah, yeah. Th- yeah. Thought you know, on we've that. talked yep. about this. I, I, I don't yep. think the punishment fits the crime of what he is accused of. I think it's conflated sexual harassment and misconduct and molestation yep. and actual assault with somebody who it appears to be so far has only engaged in boorish behavior. That's a problem, mm. yes. But I would like to hear the d- accusations be uh, yeah. investigated At first. Worst boorish behavior, it seems to me. But we'll see. That's what an investigation. To find for. out, right? Uh, all right. So, in uh, before we uh, take a break here and get to my guest here with the disturbing news about the FCC, uh, some will what we will call good news today. Uh, wildly inappropriate industry shill slash scientist Michael Dorson, who had been tapped uh, by Trump to be in charge of chemical safety issues, essentially, at the EPA after shilling for their dangerous chemicals for years, is apparently withdrawing his nomination. Michael Dorson, Trump's controversial pick to become the nation's top regulator of toxic chemicals, I almost said Texas chemicals, but (laughs) close enough, of toxic chemicals, uh, has withdrawn his nomination after facing heavy criticism over his close ties to the chemical industry. Dorson told the administration that he was withdrawing from consideration for the post at the Environmental Protection Agency on Wednesday. According to uh, aides who spoke with NBC News, the EPA did not respond to request for comment yet. Dorson had spent decades conducting research that chemical manufacturers used to downplay the risk of hazardous substances. Critics have argued that his work on behalf of the industry posed a threat to public health and presented a conflict of interest if he were to lead that EPA office where he would have overseen the regulation of chemicals used in everything from children's toys to pesticides. We've talked about Dorson uh, quite a bit on this show and how unbelievably inappropriate it is to have this guy who has made essentially apologies for all forms of wildly hazardous chemicals. Yeah, for him, there is no level of chemical that is hazardous to any person, child, anything. So far, uh, so so much so, frankly, that North Carolina's two Republican senators, they're Republican senators here, Tom Tillis and Richard Burr, both came out against Dorson. Citing concerns about his record, Dorson had uh, previously conducted industry paid for research on uh, a carcinogenic chemical uh, that uh, contaminated drinking water at a North Carolina military base. So nice that the two North Carolina Republican senators came out against this guy. Also, Susan Collins of Maine said she was leaning against his nomination. Senator Tom Corker Democrat from Delaware said that it had become clear that even with a Republican majority in the Senate, Dorson could not be confirmed. 
That's good news. Uh, so at least there's a floor. There, well, yeah, maybe for that. it takes a while. I mean, he did. I think he didn't. He pass out of committee. Uh, yes, he was approved in committee, but on the floor, it looks like he wasn't going to make it through. The environmental and public health advocates. Um, who had lobbied hard against Dorson were very happy today. One of them, Richard Dennison of the Environmental Defense Fund, said in a statement that uh, Dorson's withdrawal is good news for the health of American families. His record of mercenary science made clear he would have undermined public health and damaged historic chemical safety reforms passed by Congress last year. Senator Ed Markey, Democrat from... Uh, where, he's Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Uh, he said uh, that what, he called it some news to celebrate. Uh, but now Dorson needs to step down from his advisory role and leave the EPA completely. That's right. He had been working and paid for by you, the taxpayer, to advise the EPA all this time while his nomination was in doubt uh, to advise the EPA administrator, Scott Pruitt, on chemical safety and as of now apparently he's still being paid to do that oh yeah he's still there he's still doing what he does but at least he's withdrawn that nomination so we'll see what other industry shill they come up with uh to cover for him to take his place uh then uh two men nominated by the trump administration for lifetime positions on the federal bench and uh, one of them deemed unqualified to serve as a judge by the american bar association are apparently withdrawing their nominations that's good news as well uh political reports that the president will not pursue the nominations of brett talley to a district court slot in Alabama. By the way, he was going to be taking the uh, slot of federal judge Mark Fuller, the guy who was arrested for beating his wife and eventually resigned. Uh, he's also the same guy who uh, threw former Democratic Governor Don Siegelman of Alabama in jail. On a politically motivated prosecution. And uh, then the judge went on to beat his wife, and that slot has been empty ever since because they wouldn't allow Barack Obama to fill it. Anyway, Brett Talley was going to fill it. Uh, he's withdrawing his nomination. Uh, another uh, guy, Jeff Mateer, who was nominated to a district court post in Texas, he is also withdrawn. Uh, the first one, Talley, um, he he had he said he was prepared to withdraw from consideration for failing to disclose that his wife works in the White House Counsel's office. She in fact is the chief of staff to White House Counsel Don McGahn, a White House whose actions could well be the subject of a hearing in Tally's courtroom if he were confirmed uh, for a lifetime role on the federal bench. Tally didn't bother to mention that. In his disclosure forms, when he was asked if any family members might have jobs that have uh, conflicts of interest. And he was also the guy who has no uh, trial experience at all. He has uh, not as a judge, not as an attorney. Not as anything. Has, exactly. Uh, he received a unanimous not qualified rating from the American Bar Association due to that lack of courtroom experience. BuzzFeed News also reported last month that Tally had uh, failed to disclose thousands of posts that he appears to have written online on political subjects from immigration to gun control. In one post about gun control in December of 2012, since uh, today happens to be the fifth anniversary of the 
Sandy Hook Massacre? Well, um, in a post titled Aftermath of Connecticut Shooting, written three days after a gunman had killed 20 children at Sandy Hook Elementary School, Tally said, quote, My solution would be to stop being a society of pansies and man up. In another post on uh, on that same website, uh, Tally appeared to defend, quote, the first KKK, which he incorrectly claimed was entirely different than the KKK of the early uh, of the early 19th century. So he's out. The other nominee, Jeff Mateer, ran into trouble over comments describing transgender youth as part of, quote, Satan's plan. And labeling as, quote, disgusting the 2015 Supreme Court ruling legalizing gay marriage. He also suggested that the uh, decision could spur polygamy and bestiality. Senate Majority Whip uh, John Cornyn of Texas said that his primary concern was that Mateer did not disclose the content of those speeches before he and Texas Senator Ted Cruz recommended that he be nominated to this post. So he's out. There you go. Thus endeth the good news portion <laughs> of uh, today's program. Uh, so some public pressure is working, uh, though not yet on the huge tax increases that Congress hopes to finalize on the poor and the middle class before Christmas and before Alabama's new presumptive Democratic senator elect Doug Jones can take his seat. Uh, which threatens final passage of this massive Christmas gift to the wealthy and the huge corporations. So that mi- that fight may wa- end up going up to the wire here in the next few days. But in the meantime, at Donald Trump's FCC, the huge gift for the nation's major Internet service providers, that gift, that came right on time. The gutting of Internet freedom of speech. No exaggeration That's next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. Oh, yes, they do. They absolutely know at the FCC, and that's why they've given a great big gift to all of their friends at Verizon and Comcast and AT&T, etc. today. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yes, the Federal Communications Commission repealed today the Obama-era net neutrality rules. Uh, giving Internet service providers like Verizon, Comcast, and AT&T 
a free hand if they like to slow or block websites and apps as they see fit or charge more for faster speeds. In a straight party line vote of three to two, Donald Trump's Republican controlled FCC junked the longtime principle that said all web traffic must be treated equally. The move represents a radical departure from a decade of federal oversight, reports AP. The broadband industry has promised that the Internet experience for the public isn't going to change. Not at all. Nothing to worry about. Hey, just like when... Was it uh, Charter or Spectrum purchased my old cable company, Time Warner, last year, and my monthly bill has gone up $100 without any new services being added since then? Like that? Is that how it's not going to change? But the uh, industry, while claiming that service is not going to change, for some reason they lobbied very hard to overturn the existing net neutrality rules, contending that they're just too heavy-handed and they're uh, discouraging investment in broadband networks. Under the new rules, the Comcasts and AT&Ts of the world will be free to block rival apps, to slow down competing services, or offer faster speeds to companies who, who, who will pay up. They just have to post their policies online or tell the FCC about it, and with that transparency, I guess they can do whatever they want. The change also eliminates certain federal consumer protections, bars state laws that contradict the FCC's approach. No states' rights, I guess, for uh, for these conservatives on the these so-called conservatives on the FCC, and. Uh, the, the change also largely transfers oversight of Internet service to another agency altogether, the Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, instead, though recent court cases have found that the FTC actually is blocked from regulating certain broadband services altogether, the ones, some of which they are supposed to be overseeing now. But, hey, you know, details. FCC Commissioner Minion Clyburn, a Democrat appointed by President Barack Obama to the, uh, to the commission, lambasted the preordained, the quote, preordained outcome of the vote. She said, that it will hurt small and large businesses and ordinary people. She said that the end of net neutrality hands over the keys to the Internet to a handful of multi-billion dollar corporations. But Michael O'Reilly, a Republican commissioner on the FCC, uh, appointed uh, during the Obama administration, called the uh, FCC's approach, quote, a well-reasoned and soundly justified order. The Internet, he said, has functioned without net neutrality rules for far longer than it has without them. The decision will not break the Internet, he assures us. All of this comes at Thursday's show hearing, and that's really what it was. We all knew the Republicans would ram this thing through with their three to two majority that they own on the FCC due to a Republican in the White House. It comes even as 18 attorneys general wrote to the FCC's chairman, Ajit Pai, begging him to delay the vote, given that the public comment process was extraordinarily gamed by hackers. On Wednesday evening, uh, 18 attorneys general called on the chairman of the Federal Communications Commission to hold off on Thursday's net neutrality vote pending an investigation into fake comments that were left on the FCC's public commenting system in regard to net neutrality. In a letter, the attorneys general asked Chairman Ajit Pai and the commissioners 
to take, quote, immediate action regarding the fake comment. In their letter, they said a careful review of the pub, uh, of the publicly available information revealed a pattern of fake submissions using the names of real people. In fact, there may be over one million fake submissions from across the country. This is akin to identity theft, they say, on a massive scale and theft of someone's voice in a democracy is particularly concerning. The attorneys general write that it is essential that the commission gets a full and accurate picture of how changes to net neutrality will affect the everyday lives of Americans before they can act on such sweeping policy changes. That letter comes after a separate letter from the office of New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman said that as many as two million comments regarding net neutrality filed to the commission were falsified. They were just faked. If the well of public comment has been poisoned by falsified submissions, the commission may be unable to rely on public comments that would help it reach a legitimate conclusion to the rulemaking process, the attorneys write. Silly attorneys, the, uh, the Trump administration is not doing this for the public or concerned about their comments in the process. So they went ahead and held their show vote today anyway, as scheduled. And uh, net neutrality rules in the process were gutted by the commission three to two, just as expected. The Associated Press notes that the FCC vote is unlikely to be the last word here. Opponents of the move plan legal challenges. Some hope to make it an issue in the 2018 midterm elections. There is also some hope, they report, that the, that uh, Congress might overturn the FCC decision. That's an assertion from the Associated Press, which frankly to me seems ridiculously unlikely to be frank, at least under this particular Congress and this particular president. As the New York Times reports, passage of the plan is, quote, the biggest victory in FCC Chair Ajit Pai's eventful 11-month tenure as the head of the FCC. Under his leadership, the agency has already opened the door for more media mergers, curtailed a high-speed Internet program for low-income families, and allowed broadband providers to raise rates. The 44-year-old Pai is a former lawyer for Verizon, one of the huge corporations that stand to benefit from this from this move today, bigly, as Donald Trump might say, even as other huge corporations like Google or Amazon, Facebook and Twitter have opposed the move. But Pi laughed off all of those concerns, describing them in one recent speech as hysteria and hot air. And in another speech, according to The New York Times, dismissed criticism that by pushing this change, he was doing the bidding of companies like Verizon, his former employer. He joked that his nightmare scenario would be refereeing a dispute between Verizon and the far, far right wing television station owner Sinclair Broadcasting, another company that he has been accused of helping with his uh, with his policies. He joked, how do you choose between a longtime love and a newfound crush? Yes, he actually said that. The, uh, the chairman of the commission of the federal agency that is supposed to be overseeing both of those huge corporations. And while much of this would seem to be about money on the surface, 
At Bradblog.com this week, longtime media reform advocate Sue Wilson cut to the chase, writing two days before Thanksgiving, the Federal Communications Commission announced that it would vote on December 14 on the new federal rule that may very easily take away our freedom of speech on the Internet. She added, that is not an exaggeration. Well, take away our freedom of speech? I knew this was about money, but freedom of speech? Joining us now to explain right here on what is left of freedom of speech on our public airwaves, at least, is Sue Wilson. She's an Emmy and AP award-winning broadcast journalist turned media reform activist, director of the media reform documentary Broadcast Blues. She's the founder of the Media Action Center and one of our go-to sources on all things FCC and for quite a while now, its new chairman, Ajit Pai. Sue Wilson, welcome back to the broadcast. Well, hello, Brad. This is a watershed moment, but you know what? It ain't over until it's over, and we're just getting started on this thing. Well, you sound very cheery, very optimistic here around Christmas time. I hope you're right and I'm not. But uh, let me let me jump in here, Sue, with, you know, many uh, are worried, as I said, uh, you know, about uh, websites and apps being slowed down or having to pay more for their Internet services. Uh, you know, for services that are now already included along with everything else that is available on the Internet. Uh, But you argue that what this is really about is freedom of speech and the threat now posed to it. In your Bradblog.com article, you cite the 1996 Telecommunications Act, uh, which we have talked about a lot on this show and with you, Sue. Uh, In 1996, very similar arguments about competition, about how all of this was going to be good for the consumer, Uh, When it came to, in that case, our public airwaves, the radio, uh, the radio waves. Um, How'd that work out uh, 20 years later, Sue Wilson? (laughs) Well, you know, they made a lot of promises that when they consolidated radio, we would end up with a much more diverse speech for everybody. Anybody who listens to radio knows that it's almost impossible to find a show like the Brad Blog on the air because it is now dominated by pro-Republican, conservative, no, alt-right mm-hmm. speech. And to, to the exclusion of all others, yep. they flat out lie to us. And guess what? That's what they're doing today. Well, it, I, so that's what the promise, the, the, those were the promises they made back in 1996. And to be fair, that was the, the Telecommunications Act of 96 was signed by a Democratic president, Bill Clinton, uh, pushing this, uh, joining uh, in, in the crowd who was saying that, oh, this competition this is going to be good for the consumer. Let's let all of these huge corporations buy up uh, all of these uh, radio stations around the country. What could possibly go wrong? Well, we now have seen what has gone wrong. And uh, so how does that echo what you are now seeing in the in the gutting of the net, neutra- uh, net neutrality r- rules that were put in place in 2015 under Barack Obama? Well, let me address your audience with regard to the Brad blog and to this radio program, okay? Um, they are putting content providers. Mm-hmm. Brad Friedman is a content provider. Mm-hmm. Netflix is a content provider, okay? Everybody from big to small. And they are putting these people in a position where if you want your content to go quickly over the Internet, 
you're going to have to pay extra money. Well, the people who are making lots and lots of money, they can cough it up. You're going to see Netflix is going to be coming through on your screen just as quickly as it ever did. But what it does, especially in an environment where the powers that be have purposely squelched liberal and progressive speech, they are going to make it more and more difficult for people like Brad Friedman to be able to get his voice out. How are, are people like Brad and me and many others able to just pay a big fee so that it goes quickly? And if it doesn't go quickly, let's look at the flip side. Imagine everybody out there in Radio Land that you are turning on your computer and you are waiting for this show to come on. And you are waiting and you are waiting and you are waiting. And after about 10 seconds, it's not there. Research shows most people are just going to leave and go somewhere else. Now, I understand that Brad Friedman has a very loyal audience that will wait a long time, but why well, maybe. should we have to wait and how many people will be lost in the, in, in the interim? Another point on this, this is not just about political speech. This is also about small business and sales. If you have invented a new widget that you are selling online, you can't afford to have half of your people leave because they're not willing to wait mm. for this. It looks like it's not ever even going to come up on your screen. That's what they're doing to us. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it does. And, you know, uh, the people who are supporting gutting these rules, uh, the Chairman Pai and so forth, you know, say people like you, Sue Wilson, uh, are hysterical. Hot air uh, is a word that he used, you know, to to address these concerns. And I would say uh, to some extent, you know, you could make that argument. You know, tomorrow it's not going to be any uh, more difficult to uh, listen to the Bradcast or Bradblog.com than it is today after, uh, you know, the, the net neutrality has been gutted. But the reason I wanted to go back to 96 and the reason I was happy you covered that in your article was because, yeah, it's not going to happen tomorrow but over time, we saw what happened with that Telecommunications Act. It, you know, it may have taken 20 years, um, but, uh, you know, there are there is culpability in, in that case, you know, with the Democrats and some of the advocacy groups uh, like Free Press, who have been doing great work on net neutrality for years, but they ignored those same concerns about our public airwaves over the past couple of decades, claiming that, oh, you know what, we have the Internet after all, so we don't have to worry about the public airwaves. People can go to the Internet. Well, ignoring oversight of our public airwaves, the radio and TV, etc., allowed for the rise of Donald Trump and Agit Pai over the two decades since the uh, Telecommunications Act in 96, which in turn has now led to the gutting of the Internet that, those groups like the Dems and the free press said would be there to protect us. So it doesn't happen overnight, but it seems like it takes time and sure enough, it will happen. And hysterical hot air people like you, Sue Wilson, will be proven right only once it's too late. You know, it's very interesting today. I, I, I live in California, and so I was following the vote online on FCC Live on Twitter. Mm hmm. Interesting how Mignon Clyburn was characterizing this. And I want to give you a, a couple of quotes from her. Mm -hmm. She says, where will the next significant attack come from? Maybe from an ISP allowing its network to congest? 
making a high-traffic video provider ask what more it can pay to make the pain stop? That will never happen, question mark? Well, it already has. So it, in, in real life here, Brad, what, what we're looking at is that this is this slowing down of traffic in order to force people to pay more so that they can be heard, which that's free speech, isn't it? They're trying to squelch the free speech. It's already happened. And another quote from her, she said, broad bad providers who in the past promised not to engage in paid prioritization have now quietly dropped that promise. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they know what's coming, yep. and I don't think it's going to take that long. Now, there is a little bit of good news here, all right, in that we can expect to see lawsuits from public interest groups. Those kinds of lawsuits have been exceedingly successful in the past. Mm -hmm. You have to remember that when we talk about the 1996 Telecommunications Act, that was a law passed by Congress. Mm -hmm. These are not laws. These are rules that are being passed by three Republican commissioners who act on the behest of the president. Now, there's a couple of problems with that, but one of the good things about this is that Groups like Free Press, like the National Hispanic Media Coalition, like Public Knowledge, have successfully sued over these kinds of rules in the past, and they have won. And we know that there will be lawsuits immediately. And in fact, you know, you mentioned earlier Eric Schneiderman, the uh, New York Attorney General. Mm -hmm. Actually, you mentioned the 18 Attorneys General asking the FCC to halt this meeting. Immediately after the FCC voted in favor of abolishing the rules, New York AG Eric Schneiderman announced that he will be suing based on millions of fake comments. You don't get to pass a rule in the Federal Communications Commission that affects every single person in this country based on falsity. And that's going to have some legs. I think we can look for that. Yeah, it's, it is kind of remarkable that, I mean, we're talking about, you know, you, when you're going to change a rule like this, there has to be a public comment period, and the comments come in, and the fact that Schneiderman is arguing that two million of those comments were fake, and they went in and did this anyway. There is no rush to do this. They could have, you know, uh, fixed their commenting system and and held this vote six months later. These uh, the the companies that we're we're talking about here who are going to benefit from from this are already making record uh, profits. So it's kind of mind blowing and perhaps revealing that they were not willing to put this off. Uh, Sue Wilson, we, uh, you and I were, were speaking about this off-air yesterday, and I had mentioned that, you know, when a rule is changed, uh, there needs to be a reason for it. There needs to be a compelling governmental interest uh, to, to change that rule. So in the ca- uh, rule or regulation, whatever. So you had, you know, in the case of the EPA under Barack Obama, they passed the Clean Power Act, and... Uh, the, the EPA instituted that. And now, you know, they're, they're not elected officials. They're kind of like the FCC here where, you know, you're complaining that they're not elected officials and they're just able to do whatever they want. Well, the EPA works the same way. And in fact, Republicans complained about the EPA uh, putting those regulations in place. But when they put them in place, they were responding to a years-long effort uh, in response to the Clean Power Act that, uh, I'm sorry, to the um, to the Clean Air Act 
that said that, you know, the EPA must regulate pollutants. And it was determined that carbon was a pollutant and therefore they were responding to that. The Supreme Court told them they had to do that. What the hell is the FCC? Do we have any idea what they're actually responding to, what the compelling governmental interest is that they're responding to here? Or are they just doing this because they want to? There is nothing in either the 1934 or its subsequent um, child, the Mm -hmm. 1996 Telecommunications Act, that specifically addresses net neutrality because it wasn't invented when those communications (laughs) acts, when those laws were passed. Now, the claim that the Federal Communications Commission Republicans headed by Ajit Pai are making is that we need to give more money to broadband services so that they can invest in rural areas. Now, I live in a rural area, and Mm -hmm. I can tell you, yes, we could use better broadband. However, Public Knowledge, uh, which is a really terrific public interest group in Washington, D.C., one of their attorneys, uh, Senior Vice President Harold Feld, said that there isn't any deterrent. If you look at the security and exchange documents, which these corporations have to fill out, Mm -hmm. they tell their investors, under penalty of prosecution if they should lie, the six CEOs of publicly trade broadband companies are telling their investors that the FCC's current net neutrality rules have not in any way impacted their investment strategies. So, again, we're looking at the Federal Communications Commission, as headed by Ajit Pai, which are just making things up out of whole cloth. And in theory, that uh, will be argued by someone bringing a a lawsuit against this, against the FCC, um, because I believe that the FCC will have to show the reason they're doing this, and they'll have to give the evidence for it. And if the evidence says, no, uh, the, the, the companies testified to the SEC that they were fine and that the previous rule hasn't affected them, he's gonna, he may have a, a difficult time in court, but uh, the Republicans stole the Supreme Court, Sue Wilson. So... <laughs> Well, there's something else. Now, we know that there will be a push to counter this in, par- in Congress. And believe it or not, it appears it could be a bipartisan push, something that uh, Mignon Clyburn brought up today and even repeated it, was apparently there have been five Republicans who have gone on the record calling for a halt of today's vote. They understand, because you've got to remember, small business is really, really hurt by this. I'm sure that they, the Republicans are hearing from their constituents who are not at all worried about freedom of speech, but are terribly worried about can they sell their products online. Um, mm. So they're hearing from them, okay? I want to take you back into history, though. Now, let's yeah. look, go back to the last time the FCC made a really significant rule change. The change I'm talking about was back in 1987 when the Federal Communications Commission, again, under a Republican leader gutted the Fairness Doctrine. Mm-hmm. You know, the Fairness Doctrine was so popular that Republican luminaries like Newt Gingrich said, oh no, we have to have the Fairness Doctrine. And the entire Congress went back into session and passed a law that said we want the Fairness Doctrine. It was Ronald Reagan who vetoed that law. 
or that bill, I yeah. should say. Uh, yeah, of course. I, I mean, I'm I'm surprised that that even happened. That they uh, pretended they were interested in it back then. They certainly haven't, uh, you know, pushed for it ever since. And, uh, pardon me, Sue Wilson, but I'm I'm somewhat dubious that in fact uh, the 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 constituents you talk you're talking about that are making their voices heard. A, I don't know if they're being heard over the din over uh, this uh, tax scam that the GOP is trying to ram through before the end of the year. But B, I don't even know that most people know about this. There was a new study out this week from Media Matters uh, that took a look at the coverage of this and the gutting of net neutrality. Since November 28, in the two-week run-up before this vote, cable news has given net neutrality um, (laughs) approximately four minutes each on CNN and Fox News. Four minutes. Now, MSNBC did somewhat better. They gave it uh, twice that. Eight minutes on MSNBC since November 28. These are 24-hour cable news services, by the way. On broadcast news, uh, it was not much better. Uh, they got, uh, let's see, uh, on, on all of the, on all the morning shows, the evening shows, and the Sunday political shows, there was just over eight minutes on NBC, a little more than two minutes on CBS. ABC did not cover net neutrality at all in the previous two weeks. So I, I'm not quite as sure as you and, and you know, w- what the right wingers are hearing. Uh, Ajit Pai did give four interviews during that period. They all went to right wing uh, so-called conservative-friendly media. So if they heard any side of this argument, Sue, I think they heard the Republican Ajit Pai side of this. You know, I hate to say that you are correct about this, but, you know, unfortunately it is true. We have to remember that even these news organizations are so bombarded by so much news to cover at this mm-hmm. point, between the tax cuts and the Russia yeah. probe and, the, I mean... It, it, this is this is a bonanza for news coverage, but it also makes it very difficult for them to drill down and cover issues that may be of great importance, especially issues that they may not understand well. And the big question is, is there any pressure from mm-hmm. those upstairs telling them not to cover? Right. I don't know the answer to that, but it is certainly possible. These Many of those companies are, in fact, owned by the big corporate parents that... Uh, that stand to uh, that stand to do very well by this. And so, uh, you know, or, you know, poking at the FCC, poking at the DOJ with all of these companies sort of merging with each other. Uh, the last thing they want to do is uh, get the FCC or the DOJ or the the Trump administration against them. So, hey, you know what? Why cover it? Cover something else instead. Uh, you know, not claiming it's a conspiracy, but it sure is odd that we have been able to spend much more than four minutes on the broadcast, and we're only on an hour a day, five days a week, while they're on 24-7. But, you know, just me. Uh, Sue Wilson, I'm going to point people over to your piece at uh, bradblog.com, Internet Freedom of Speech at Stake, uh, because I think, uh, I, I fear that it's going to be another 20 years and we're going to look back on this day and this show and say, geez, we, we should have paid more attention just as many of us are looking back on what happened in 1996 and in 1987 and saying, geez, we should have paid more attention. Well, thank you, Brad Friedman, for being the historical guide and, and, and the patriotic guidepost on this whole thing. Well, 
A lot of good it does us. Sue Wilson, uh, thank you very much. Her documentary is Broadcast Blues. Her website is MediaActionCenter.net. You can follow her on the Twitters for now until they slow it down at Sue Blues Wilson. Thank you, Sue. Bye. Okay. We're back with uh, the Green News Report and Desiree Doyen right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com melting for you here along with Desi Doyen. Desi, you had during the break, you had a thought on, on the conversation about Sue, with Sue Wilson. Yeah, you know, you had asked uh, at some point during that conversation with Sue, you said, so what's the rush for the FCC to have this vote on net neutrality so quickly to repeal the net neutrality yeah. rules? And I thought, you know, I wonder if part of the rush might be to get this done before the 2018 midterm elections and the 2020 presidential election. I mean, these are big Big elections coming well, but up. But they would have all year to do it uh, next year before the elections actually happen. True. Right? But, you know, the sooner the better to restrict or make it a little more difficult for people to organize and share information and get access from outlets. That oh, I see what you're saying. So to to clamp down on freedom of speech. throttle information yeah. and freedom of speech. Well, see, that's because you're hysterical and <laughs> full of hot air. Ah, there to, you go. To even think something like that would ever happen with these with these fine corporations who apparently control us all. Uh, by the way, before we get to our GNR, some bad news in our previous uh, Green News report. The so-called Thomas Fire burning out of control still in Ventura County, just north of Los Angeles. That was the fifth largest fire in state history as of our previous Green News report. Now, just two days later, that fire is the fourth largest fire in state history. And there's no end yet. More on that and much more on everything else in our latest Green News Report. We found thousands of farm workers out in the fields of Ventura County without the, the protective mask that they need. Officials warn of toxic smoke from Southern California wildfires. The Arctic as a whole is warming at least twice as fast as the rest of the planet. New bad news for the melting Arctic. At Global Summit, the world fights climate change without the U.S. Plus... Please, come to France. French president makes good on promise to fund U.S. climate scientists. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Coal, the science is in, and it's coal. <laughs> And that's all it is. And this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it is 
damn near Christmas, and we are still fighting wildfires out here in Southern California. Winter wildfires, which is really weird. But yes, the wildfires still rage in Southern California. And now state officials are warning of hazardous air quality in some areas, telling residents to stay inside to avoid exposure to toxic smoke and carcinogenic ash from incinerated homes. But labor activists warn that thousands of farm workers are still working outside in the dangerous smoke and have not received protective equipment from their employers. That's according to Lucas. Zucker of the Central Coast Alliance United for a Sustainable Economy in an interview with Democracy Now! We've found thousands of farm workers out in the fields of Ventura County without the, the protective masks that they need. You know, workers are really faced with this, this horrific choice of, of either giving up the income they desperately need in a time like this or, or be out in conditions that are endangering their, their health and safety. And for people who don't know the area out here in Southern California, there are farms, orchards, a vast agricultural area. They call this part of Southern California the salad bowl because it produces so much of the food for the rest of the country. And I can only imagine what it's like out there working in those fields right next to these fires, which are hundreds of miles wide. Disturbing news for the Arctic. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration reports that this year clocked in as the second warmest year on record for the Arctic, with the smallest extent of sea ice ever on record. NOAA Arctic Director Jeremy Mathis warned that the rate and magnitude of sea ice loss since 2000 is unprecedented in at least 1,500 years. Studies have increasingly linked the melting Arctic to changing weather patterns and extreme weather events in the Northern Hemisphere. At the One Planet Summit in Paris this week, we're in the process of losing the battle. French President Emmanuel Macron called on European leaders and corporations to pick up the pace of action in cutting emissions that cause dangerous global warming. Macron also made good on an earlier promise, announcing multi-million dollar grants to 13 U.S. climate scientists to conduct their research in France. After U.S. President Donald Trump, who was not invited to the conference, vowed he would withdraw the U.S. from the historic U.N. Paris Climate Agreement in 2020. So we're not funding these scientists anymore. France has to step in and fund U.S. climate science. (laughs) That's right. Unbelievable. But American political and business leaders were also there in Paris to organize and to help developing countries prepare for climate impacts. Former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger offered some blunt reassurance. It doesn't matter that Donald Trump backed out of the Paris Agreement because the private sector didn't drop out, the public sector didn't drop out, universities didn't drop out, scientists didn't drop out, engineers didn't drop out, no one dropped out. Donald Trump pulled Donald Trump out of the Paris Agreement. Among several major announcements at the summit, the World Bank and global insurer AXA said they will end all financing for oil and gas exploration starting in 2019. Major investors launched a campaign to pressure the world's top 100 greenhouse gas emitting corporations to reduce their emissions. And China's environment minister announced China is on the cusp of launching its nationwide carbon emissions trading market, which would be the largest in the world world. 
Finally, the U.S. private sector is stepping up its investment in clean energy technology at home. Tesla Motors' new all-electric semi-truck was unveiled just last month, but it's already pulling in hundreds of pre-orders from major corporations. The latest from beverage giant Pepsi, which this week ordered 100 Tesla all-electric semis, citing its lower overall cost compared to conventional internal combustion semis. Give it up, Desi Doyen. Elon Musk is not going to give you a free Model 3. Oh, come on. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters, even in France, at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you very much, Desiree. Well done. Uh, we've been uh, before we get out here. We've been uh, well. We've been t- telling you in, in in recent weeks that this is a critical moment, a critical moment for the broadcast as we, as we figure out if we can continue on uh, into a an all new election year of 2018. And uh, so I thank those of you who stopped by bradblog.com/slash donate to help us try to do exactly that those of you who are uh, subscribing there is greatly helpful so thank you for that uh and thanks to zach g for a generous donation and uh, very kind words he sends along with that donation he says thanks for the show almost every day you both are the best program i listen to And you definitely set a high bar for those rare days when someone else manages to win. (laughs) Okay, good. So I shouldn't be too upset that sometimes (laughs) we come in second place. Uh, Anyway, he says, thank you so much for being fun and informative and wickedly accurate over and over each day. Thanks for being you. Well, thank you very much, uh, Zach, for for those kind words. Thank you, Zach. And for stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. It's appreciated. It it has been appreciated even before what happened on Thursday at the FCC, uh, threatening the work that uh, folks like us try to do at bradblog.com and here on the Bradcast. So... Fear this is all going to get worse before it gets better, but hopefully we'll be here as long as we can with you. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to my guest today, Media Action Center's Sue Wilson, and of course to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can stop by and download it for free for now, anytime at bradblog.com or at your favorite uh, podcast site, iTunes, etc., it also helps if you leave a good, uh, a nice, a kind review, a nice comment at any of those sites. Makes it a little bit easier for everyone else to find us as well. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. Again, thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate. It is greatly appreciated. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Oh, oh, oh.